Hey, race fans, welcome to episode seven of Racing with RK. We're going to go back in the RK time machine tonight to the early days of the Horseman Gold Cup. This week's episode is brought to you in part by the Buckeye Karting Challenge, Ohio's karting championship. If you haven't raced the Buckeye Karting Challenge this year, use promo code RACINGWITHRK when you enter and receive $5 off your entry fee. Their next event is coming up this weekend at Wilmington Raceway Park, August 30th, with practice on Saturday, August 29th. And also, Lori Beal Photography, your expert in motorsports photography. Her passion is sports, specifically motorsports, but she also enjoys travel, concert, and night photography. Check Lori's website, lauribealphotography.com. That's L-O-R-I-B-I-E-H-L photography.com and use promo code RACIN with RK and receive a discount for first time customers. Well, tonight I've got two special guests. And when you talk to people about karting, one of the things people always say about what they get out of karting is they create great friendships. And I was doing some math and the two guests that are on the show tonight, I have been friends with for nearly 40 years. And I'm pretty proud of that. And, and certainly we've been in the trenches together. In some cases we've had some ups and downs, but to this day I consider them dear friends and hopefully they feel the same way about me, especially after the podcast tonight, but I think they will. Our guests tonight are Sandy Gregory and Tony the Toe Cirillo. So Sandy and Tony, welcome to the show. Yep. Hey, thanks, thank Randy. you so much, Randy. It's, uh, yep. We're going to have some fun. So, Sandy, we're going to start with you. And I want you to tell us how you were introduced to karting. Okay. Well, that goes back a long way for me, Randy. Um, just so happened my mom and dad went to their first dirt go-kart race, and they come home talking about it, and it was about a mile away. And so the next Saturday night, I wanted to go with them. And I went, and I said, I can do this. <laughs> and um, my dad said, you think you can? I said, I think I can. So I ended up buying a dirt cart, which was a rup cart. Yep. And I raced it for three races. And my dad said, oh, no, we got to get something better. And if Keith Freeber ever heard me say this, he would love it. I went up and bought a brand-new Panther X Ooh. and uh, started racing. Yes, a Panther X. And I started racing that right away. And I raced at all the local dirt tracks around here. Uh, in North Carolina, there's Liberty and Altamaha. I know you heard of Ace Speedway mm -hmm. with all this COVID virus. And yeah, yeah. I raced there. I've, I've raced at all of those and, and enjoyed it so much. And from then, it just went to um, other greater things. Like I ended up going to Barnesville, Georgia for the first time, and I was hooked. I was yeah. hooked. Now, I didn't race down at Barnesville. But I just love to go there and watch awesome. everybody. That's awesome. How about you, Tony? Yep. Uh, believe it or not, my mother was from West Virginia, and we used to spend the summer, the whole summer there, and because uh, that's where my grandmother was. And I had an uncle, my, my mother's brother, and he he was a glacier. He would put in glass in in buildings and stuff. And when uh, this was Wheeling, West Virginia, where Wheeling Steel was and the coal mines, and it's right on the border of Ohio, uh, when all of that failed, my uncle was, was hurting for money, and he, did, he put in a, a glass door for some business, and they didn't have the money to pay him. 
and they said, well, out back, we got a little midget racer. If you, you know, would you take that in trade? So we went and looked <laughs> at it and it was a one of those, I guess, quarter midgets had a continental motor yep. and only a kid could fit in it. So yeah. my uncle took it. It wasn't running. He got it running. And uh, when he finally got it running at nine o'clock at night, we went to a Kroger <laughs> supermarket park a lot. And, and he put me in it and started driving me, you know, telling me to drive it. And I, you know, I was afraid to like give it too much gas. And he jumped on the back and held on to that roll bar that they had. And he would tell me to floor it, floor it. And so that started it. But then I, I got too big. I couldn't fit in it. And we never really raced it. And he said, you know, we got to look at these things called go-karts because <laughs> that you could fit in. And uh, eventually I was a kid in Brooklyn and my father was a butcher. He wasn't into cars or racing or anything. So I saved up some money and bought a Blackhawk cart, which I still have today. The 1964 Blackhawk. Wait, wait a second. Still, stop there. Stop there for a second. You still have the go the Blackhawk? Did you? Did I you, still have the 1964 Blackhawk chief go-kart, right? Did you, did you find, did you oh, find it or did you hang on to it all these years? I, I just hung on to it. I never, wow. never gave it away. And that's what I taught my, that's what I let my kids drive when they were like five years old, uh, you know, cause they could reach the pedals on that versus the newer wow. parts. So. That's, that's pretty cool. So I still didn't race it though. My father would bring me to a Sears and Robux parking lot on a Sunday, leave me there with a tank of gas. I drive it around, he'd come back and pick me up, take me home. So later when I got married, basically, I, there was a newspaper here called The Bylines, where it was like Craigslist, but it was in newspaper form. And I saw in the ad that they were going to raise go-karts at Jones Beach, which wasn't too far from Brooklyn. So I went there, watched it the week after that. I, I got the old Blackhawk out, put a Briggs and Stratton on it and started racing and it's history from there. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Still got the go-kart. Awesome. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Well, when it comes to the Horseman Gold Cup, I don't think there's two better personalities, two better historians, if you will, than the two people that are on the show tonight because they lived it, they breathed it, they experienced it, and they've got stories we're going to share tonight. And, and I'm going to kind of hand it off to you guys. I'll, I'll jump in with some of my memories as we go, but, but Sandy and Tony, and I, Sandy, I'll start with you. Let's talk about the early years, and I know yours goes back into the mid to late 70s, the early years of the Horseman Gold Cup for you, Sandy. Yeah, um, we had been racing dirt for so long, and some of my friends one weekend said, hey, they got this big race down in Barnesville, Georgia, and they say they get 300 go-karts. I said, yeah, right. <laughs> and so anyway, we, uh, we loaded up uh, and took off about 10 of us and went down, and it was amazing. Randy, it was it was the front straightaway at Barnesville has a fence and you could not get to the fence right. and me being short, I couldn't see. So I would like finally whittle my way around till I got up at the fence to see. And, um, it was just amazing how many carts was there. And, and, uh, you know, like I go, Oh, I have a go kart. And they, they look at me like, yeah, whatever, you know, you're a girl. So anyway, <laughs> I was talking to this guy and his name, was Ronnie Glover. Okay. And Ronnie Glover built motors. And I kind of hooked up with Ronnie as far as watching him all day. And so I said, Ronnie, will you build my motors? Well, he was in Bisco down there where Fast Daddy's cart shop is. And um, so we, he started building my motors for me. And I mean, I enjoyed it so much because see around here, everybody built their own. 
Well, I come out on the track with a Ronnie Glover motor, and Ooh. and I just, yeah, I won points championships all the time, and it, it was because of Ronnie. He just wow. built me a lot of good motors. But uh, I never really got into the asphalt. I raced a little bit, but I just enjoy watching. Yeah. And on any given any given Gold Cup, I I was at the fence and I was yeah. watching and taking pictures. And, and so, you know, yeah. WK started as a two cycle enduro organization, and and we talked about that. I had Phil Combs on a couple weeks ago, and he we talked about the transition where where the whole four cycle program kind of got initiated in the WK, but it was like instant. It was like you said, Sandy, when, when they had the gold cup at Barnesville, it became in size, it became comparable to the two cycle race. And man, there were some big names. I, I posted a video on uh, racing with RK with the Facebook page of Shane Hall and Jason Keller racing his juniors. Jason I think it Keller. was at Palmetto. Yeah. So, uh, with it, Jody police. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Jody was in there with him. Yeah. 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 So that's, that's good stuff. How about you, Tony? Can, can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, uh, I just a, a comment here. I believe, and I, I wasn't around at the time that, that Sandy's talking about, about that big race at, at Barnesville, but I believe it was first called the Four Cycle Olympics, if I'm right. Yes, you're right. It, was it the wasn't the Gold Cup. It was, it the was not the yes. Gold Cup. Right. It was the, it was the Winter you're Olympics. Right. <laughs> winter Olympics. Before we had the Gold Cup and the Manufacturers Cup, it was the Winter, Summer, Spring, and Fall Olympics. Right, right. That's how it started. You're exactly right. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I, I remember hearing that when I when I came on, and so back in night, it was 1980. Uh, it was a guy I I started racing with a club around here, and the president of that club, there was a, a Gold Cup going to be at uh, Danville, Virginia, and so he said, "Why don't you come with me?" So. We packed up and, and we went and I had a beat up go-kart with a, it was a bad motor on it. So, I mean, I just, just wanted to get out there and race. I was probably dead last, but that got kind of got me hooked. And the following year in 81, then that's when uh, I was looking at the WK magazine and I saw there was a race in Darlington. The, I don't know if it was the first gold cup for the season, but it was a race in Darlington. And I said to my wife, come on, we can, we can make that in 12 hours. We can sure. get down there and race. <laughs> so, so we packed up the station wagon and, and, and went down there and I raced and, and I just, it was like, like Sandy was saying, it was just so many carts and, and so much going on and it was real competition and it was a real car track. And to me, that was big because I was racing on parking lots here. So I, and I started talking to Terry Hampton, who was the guy who was kind of orchestrating the race at the time. And uh, so he gave me his, his, no, there was no email. He gave me his mailing address and his phone number. And I would, uh, when I went home, I started thinking of things, how we can make it better, how this could, what it could use. And so he, he really started picking my brain and asking me for stuff. And, and he would uh, listen to, you know, whatever ideas I had, how we can better make the classes, how we could better make the, make it fair competition. And it went on from there uh, that I started picking up the Gold Cup and I became a four cycle rep and then working with WKA uh, and a bunch of other people at the time, George included. And, and uh, I remember Carl, uh, was he like the vice president, Randy, Carl? Carl Overton was the vice president at the time. Right. Yes. Right. And they all accepted, they, they were willing to accept, you know, four cycle racing. And that yeah. was the big thing because at the time IKF would not allow four cycle racing. They, right. they didn't have a class for it. 
So, you know, we saw the potential in this thing and, and eventually, I guess Terry Hampton kind of got too busy at his regular job and kind of faded out. And that's where then Gil Horstman got involved. And, uh, and then it, they went back to uh, uh, Danville and there was a problem there. There was a, a little sp- uh, fight that broke out amongst <laughs> racers and stuff. And the next meeting that we were up in the office in Ohio, Gil Hortzman laid it down on the table in front of everybody and said, listen, this, this thing is really working out, but if I'm not going to put my name on a series that there's going to be trouble or, you know, things like fighting and stuff. So he asked George, he said, I want to hire a, a real race director or a good race director. And that's where Dick Wilson came on board. And man, I couldn't believe when I first saw Dick, you know, he was like, what, six, two, six, three, six, four. I don't know, but oh, he no, was a big no. guy. Let's, let's be clear. Before I started shrinking, I was six four, and I and I guarantee you, I guarantee you, I looked up to Dick. He, had, he was minimum six six, if not six seven. Right. So I said, I said you got to give credit to Gil because he picked the right guy. Nobody's gonna mess with this no, guy. No. And 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 then you know the series just it just kept taking off from there. I mean yeah. it just and then a lot of people put a lot into it. I mean at the time I was writing the articles for WKA for most of the races, and you know it just it just really picked up. And then you know I'll go back to when we went to Darlington, and then Randy, you showed up with your buddy, and you did the announcing, and you, yeah. you the both of you did a great job. And I looked up there and I said, wow, this is what we really need. And believe it or not, the next time we went to Barnesville. I went up in the tower. Just I said to Dick Wilson, can I go up in the tower? I just want to see what it looks like. I've never been in a tower. So he goes, yeah, I got to go up there. So I went up there, and I'm watching the races. And he yells out to one of the people. He had a radio, and he says, tell, tell that guy to call up Stock Heavy to the grid. So I get on the microphone. I get on the microphone. I go, Stock Heavy, you know, come up to the grid. You know, I was, like, nervous. And then the race started. And I'm watching it. And I'm saying, nobody's saying what's going on here. So I started saying, well, number 22's in the lead and whatever. Dick Wilson radios up. He says, keep that guy going. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> and, and that's you, how it started. That's how you, it started. But, Randy, you were the big influence. And, yeah. and when I saw you and, that, you, you and your friend did, did a great job. And, yeah. I, and I tried to imitate a lot of that stuff at the time. But uh, and then that's Dick Wilson then just kept pushing me to keep doing it. And, and that's how the toe got up into the tower. <laughs> well, and, and the toe became the voice of the Gold Cup for sure. I mean, and, and to this day, I know you still announce some vintage races, Tony. But, man, I'd, I'd love some time for you and I to announce a race together. That'd be so cool. Yeah, that'd be great. That would yeah. be awesome. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so when we talk about the Gold Cup, and we talk about some big names and there were, you know, there were NASCAR names in the gold cup, but some of them that, that come to mind for me, I'm going to mention a name and just either one of you jump in, but I'm going to mention a name and I want you to tell me what comes to mind when I mention this name. The first one is Charlie Sox. Oh, that would be you, Tony. Yep. Okay. Charlie Sox, you know, me being from the North and everything, but I I associated him with the intimidator. Charlie, Charlie, you, you weren't going to pass Charlie easy on the track and he was going to drive hard no matter what. And because of his size, he really could crunch down into that seat and get yeah, out of the yeah, wind. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Where yeah. you had, you had your other tall drivers bending down, trying to keep their head <laughs> out of the wind. He was just tucked in under that steering wheel. <laughs> he was aerodynamic. He was aerodynamic right from the beginning. And, yeah. and, you know, he, but he was the intimidator. I mean, he didn't give, he didn't give way for anybody. And he, 
and he pushed you on the track. You know, you yeah. raced Charlie, you were racing. And, you know, yeah. his whole thing was Rubbin was racing, you know, and that's yep. the first time I heard that that call. <laughs> yep. At that Darlington race, I'll never forget it. Um, Dan was racing juniors and Charlie was racing seniors. And Charlie's class was on the grid and Dan's class was on the track. And I was announcing and something happened in Dan's race and he got booted or something, but he got knocked off the track or whatever. And so the juniors are coming off the track and Charlie just comes flying up to the tower and up the steps. <laughs> and he says to me, he says, Randy, don't you dare let them start that race. I got to talk about what happened to Dan. I looked out and the carts are leaving the grid and they're going onto the track. I said, Charlie, they're probably going to start this race. You might want to hold on to that for that thought and get back <laughs> in your go-kart and go get on the race. And man, he hightailed it back to the grid and got, got in the race, but he was a competitor and I'm sure still is. Yeah. So yeah. How, yeah. He, he was hard. How about Robin Bradshaw? Well, Oma. yeah. Robin Bradshaw, what I'll say about Robin Bradshaw, I think he was one of the, one of our top best four cycle drivers. He probably could drive two cycle too, but you know, I only knew him in four cycle and he could adapt to anything and he could adapt you know, he drove every type chassis that, that CKI sold until they finally started making their own laser chassis. But he, whether that chassis was working right or not, he would get it to work right, or he would at least adjust, adjust his driving style to make it work. And that's what I noticed about, about Robin. The track could be a little wet, and everybody said, oh, the track slowed down by a half a second. Robin would go out there and turn a time that was not a half a second slower than it yep. was before. Right. So he was somebody that could really calculate what had to be done on the track. And he, he, he was just perfect when it came to whatever it was, he could be slightly underpowered. And when I was keeping stats on, on the people, we had, of course, the limited modified class. And then under that was the super stock class. Now the super stock was just uh, a, a float carburetor on a stock engine. It, it got rid of the gas tank and the, the typical uh, diaphragm carburetor that Briggs had. Mm -hmm. And that was it. It was really a stock motor. Well, Bradshaw qualified on the pole in super stock, but his time in that class would have put him outside pole and limited modified. Wow. <laughs> so I said, this guy can just, he could really, even though he didn't have the horsepower, he knew how to get that car to roll around that track at yep. its fastest speed without bogging it down. And, and, and for uh, me, he was one of our best, you know. And he was the oh, most absolutely the most humble guy, the quietest, the least suspecting. I mean, you go through the pits, it's like, no, that's not the guy that just set the track record. He can't be. He's too quiet. Right. That's just right. what Robin was. <laughs> Sandy, some memories you have about Robin? Okay, so when I mentioned that I went to get my first go-kart on uh, my Panther X, it was at CKI, and go. it was in Winston-Salem, and I can, if you could have, I walked in, and I said, I want to get a go-kart, and they looked at me and said, what? I said, I want to buy a go-kart, and they said, what color? I said, blue, okay, <laughs> and so Robin turns around and looks at me like, are you for real? <laughs> and and so then uh at the next race uh we raced friday night at um altima hall over here at ace speedway and then we went to tyro north carolina for saturday and uh believe it or not robin bradshaw was in my race he was running stock light and so was i and he, it was hard to keep up with him yeah, I, I kept up with I'll a bet. lot of them but he was hard he He's was good. probably the best 
And so when my stepson started racing Gold Cup and he did a new he needed a new engine builder, of course we asked Robin Bradshaw to build our motors sure. for us. And and they never let us down. They were perfect yeah. every time. Oh, I bet. Yeah. When our conversation last night, uh, Tony, you were mentioning, uh, and I'd kind of uh, forgotten about it, but Griffith Specialties was real involved in the Gold Cup too. And Aaron raced some Gold Cup, even though they kind of evolved over into enduro racing or road racing, as they call it now. But Aaron ran a lot of the Gold Cup back in the day too. Yep. Aaron, you know, was him and uh, I forget who else he might have had driving for him. But And they used to use, uh, I forgot the chassis name, but it was, you know, it was uh, out of uh, New Hampshire or Massachusetts, right? Oh, it's probably uh, the, the, were they running the elites with Van? Elites, that's it. Yeah, that's that it. With Van Gilder, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, like you mentioned, we had the battle of the chassis and, and yeah. Elite was, was was doing their best with, with Griffith. And uh, then you had, of course, you know, the Coyotes and you had the Margays. And, and then, of course, people started making their own. Charlie Sox made his own chassis and so right. did CKI. So that, that's how competitive that, that sport was. Oh, yeah. That's how I competitive know. it was. And, and when we talk about Dick Wilson, <laughs> Uh, Dick Wilson had a son that was one of the best drivers I ever raced oh, yeah. against, Dickie, and Dickie was real prominent in the Gold Cup for a long time as well. Yes, he he was also yeah, he was. Uh, a champion, right? Yeah. yeah. Yep. And another quiet guy was Ronnie Robinson. Yeah. 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 Robinson, you know, he came on uh, a little later on in the series, but he he was a two cycle guy, a McCulloch guy, and he got into the four cycle and eventually started his own car shop, but he drove. I think in the beginning for a guy named Don Stoker, who Stoker was the champion in limited modified. Nobody could beat him. <laughs> right. Yeah. He was, yes, he Don was the main Stoker guy. Was great. Yes. Yep. Yeah. And then Ronnie went on to Robinson speed shop and I mean, they won a ton of, ton of national championships. Uh, Chris Gabehart, that's now the, uh, didn't, didn't Chris, I think Chris ran for Ronnie there for a while. Didn't he? Am I, getting I think uh, he did. Yeah. Maybe. Yep. Yeah. I think so. Uh, who's, and, um, a, who's a crew chief for Denny Hamlin now, or uh, yeah, Denny Hamlin. Mm-hmm. Wow. And Rod, yeah. Rodney Fielders. Oh yeah, Rodney's uh, Rodney, Rodney's crew yeah. chief for uh, Kevin Harvick. That's right. And right. Uh, Chris Mason, who was uh, one of Ronnie's number one guys, Chris and Rodney Childers are best friends. Every time you see see him at the track, you'd see them together. So. Yeah, that's awesome. Now wow. to this day, you still do. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I remember Chris Mason. And then, you know, you talk about other drivers. Of course, Bradshaw was, was really teaching Michael Dowell, who was Lewis oh, Dowell's son. Yeah. Right? Yeah, he, he was yeah. keeping, making sure he stayed up front. Right. One of, your top, one of your top open drivers was a guy named Phil Hammock, who I think passed away at a young age. But he used to wear a hoodie, and it'd stick out the back of his helmet, and he'd fly down that straightaway with that hoodie, wear uh, <laughs> it all over the place. But yeah. he, he could drive an open car. He was one of yeah. your top open drivers. Yeah. Yeah, and then uh, your top uh, stock appearing driver had to be Steve Lofton. Stevie Lofton. Yeah, you know he I still think... races. He still races yep. at Max's series now. Yeah, I saw. I, yeah, I just yeah. saw him at Charlotte. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was he was tough. Well, yeah. one of the things that uh, that the Gold Cup was known for back in the day was the Thanksgiving race, and and I'm gonna I'm gonna hand it off to you guys, but I just I want to. Mention one thing, and I, I talked to both of you about this uh, last night when we, we kind of had our planning meeting. I uh, When I was president of WK, I went to Sandy and I said, Sandy, you know, Tony and I have been talking about the fact that 
you know, we have this Gold Cup race over Thanksgiving. We're bringing all our racers in to Charlotte or Darlington or, well, back then it was Charlotte and Rockingham. And we're taking them away from their families. Maybe we should pull it off of Thanksgiving and move it earlier in the month or something. And your answer, and it was instant, was, Randy, when we come to that Thanksgiving race, that is our Thanksgiving, and we are with our families. We're with our carding families. I said, enough said. That makes sense to me. So just from the from the standpoint of the two of you, what did that ma- race mean to you guys, and what did it mean to the racers? Well, Randy, um, I know that I was involved with Cody, uh, and we had a lot of team drivers, and that was one of the races that the both parents showed up. A lot of times parents come, but sometimes mom stayed home and, and she didn't get to come. Well, on Thanksgiving, they both showed up. So uh, every year, especially at Rockingham, uh, I would go into the food line in uh, Rockingham and I would buy 10 Thanksgiving dinners, which was 10 turkeys. And all the women, they made food and brought it. We had wow. a ton of food. And you were invited to a couple of them, too. And you had to stand in line with everybody else. But we fed over 50 people, I think, at the last one. Yeah. The last Coyote one, I'm, I'm sure it was over 50 or 60 people in line. Yeah. But yeah. that was that was because we were family. Yeah. And whatever happened on that track went away. It was family then, and we were friends. And th- the next day, be totally different, but we all come together for that. And that's what I'm thankful for. Oh. Yeah, that, those are some great memories for sure. Tony, any memories on on those Thanksgiving races? Well, yeah, like you said, I remember discussing it. Then I went out and started talking to people. And the big thing was that what a lot of families told me, just what Sandy's saying, you know, the whole family would go. My whole family would go. But it was also the fact that the kids were off of school. So now they can compete in a major competition, the, the grand yep. national race, mm-hmm. and they didn't have to take time off of school. They, they could be there because we would run the race Friday and Saturday. And if it rained, you would go into Sunday and then Sunday would be also the banquet. So it all worked out. And people, as much as it was a holiday and everything, just what Sandy said, it was it was it was family. And, and you went out and either you stood online and got the food at, at Rockingham or prior to that. You just went out and you found some kind of restaurant. I remember one time we had to eat chicken dumplings for Thanksgiving because that was the only restaurant we found open. But, <laughs> I forget what, where we were. But, the, but then after that, uh, things like Denny's and places like that were open on Thanksgiving and they had turkey dinners. And, you know, we would get our dinner that way if we went out if, if the, on a Thursday after practice. So, yeah, yeah I, I, to this day, I think it is, it's a great weekend to hold a race. The temperatures are really good at that time of year, and, and it's just the kids, all the kids can come, the whole family could come, because usually everybody's off of work and off of school. Yeah, yeah exactly, yeah. So well, move, moving on to another segment we do in these shows when, when, when we have the opportunity and we have guests on that, that can kind of tell some history and stories about these people. I'm big on the Carding Hall of Fame because there's so many great people that molded our sport that are in that Hall of Fame. And they never really got the gratification I think they deserve when they got inducted into the Hall of Fame. It's a great day, but then they're on the list. And this is a way we can kind of tell a couple stories. And I got a couple tonight that we've already talked a little bit about, but let's start with Gil Horseman. Gil was a member of the Hall of Fame. I think he was inducted, I want to say 1983 or 1984, one of the earlier inductees. But just share a couple memories between the two of you of, uh, of Gil Horseman. 
You might want to do that one, Tony. I'll cry. <laughs> yeah, no, no problem. Sandy, I mean, Sandy, no crying. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, the thing with Gil Horseman, he would come to every one of our meetings. I mean, and he, he was, you know, he was in the business of carding, but he wasn't there to try to make money. He was there to, to help us, whatever we needed. And if we came up with something like when the Briggs and Stratton engines were breaking the dippers, because it just, you know, we were spinning them much faster than a lawnmower. He said, do you want me to make a dipper? You know, he didn't do it because he wanted to make money. He did it because he wanted the sport to keep going and he wanted it to be better. And so, you know, we said, yeah, all right, make the dippers. And he, and he made them. And, and they, they were the ones that never broke. And, and he, he didn't charge an arm and a leg for them. They were very cheap, actually, what he, what he charged for them. But he, and the fact that he hired, you know, Dickie, Dick Wilson to, to run the event. I mean, he was just, he was a great guy. And if you had a question or you, you, want, you, you wanted that wisdom of, and he told some great stories of when he raced, you know, uh, right. where he went to the Bahamas and they were carrying like a bat next to them and they would beat the nail to dry for, you know, I mean, it was crazy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no. Uh, no, he was just a great guy and he really loved the sport and he, it wasn't about the money. I mean, Gil didn't need the money. And he, you know, he just, whatever we needed, he was there for us and he would give it, give you his opinion. If we were questioning something, he would say, okay, here's how I see it. And he was a machinist. He was, he was a guy that knew, you know, knew things. So yeah, I definitely, he was a hall of famer and, and it was great that he was there. And I don't think a lot of people, I mean, every go-kart at the Gold Cup had a horseman part on it. Let's face it. It had yeah. something mm -hmm. from horsemen. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. Over the years, my dad had a lot of friends in karting, a lot of friends in the WK, but he had a few close friends and Gil Horseman was one of them. And he could pick up the phone and call Gil because he needed somebody to talk to because he had an issue, because he needed an idea. And Gil always delivered. I mean, he was just so, so supportive of my dad and WK. It was, it was amazing. He was a true friend of karting, that's for sure. Well, the other one, Sandy, and I'm going to put you on the spot on this one is Dick Wilson. I want to hear a couple of stories about Dick Wilson. I'm, I'm going to tell you one first. Uh -huh. And then I'll, I'll let okay. you tell a couple. What I remember about Dick Wilson is that as the race director for the Gold Cup, he always had the rule book in his back pocket. And I don't care what anybody would ask him. They'd come up and say, Dick, what about this or what about that? And he would recite the rule to him. And if they challenged him, he'd say, all right. And he'd open the book up and he'd show him what he just read. And they're like, oh, okay. And they just walked away. <laughs> yes, they do. They were had at that point. <laughs> Okay, so that's kind of where I was going. We were at Barnesville. I felt like we got a raw deal on the start. And, and uh, so I started across track, and he pointed at me and <laughs> shook his head, not for me to come out on track. So I walked back, and I stood there, and I started across the track. And he said, no, go back. Shaking his finger, nope. So finally he come over, he goes, what is wrong? And I said, Mr. Wilson? Um, he said, Sandy Gregory, I know who you are. And I went, oh, well, now that we've formally been in, uh, <laughs> we actually know each other now, let me explain something to you. He goes, I know what you're going to say, and it's not a problem. Your guy actually got knocked out by his wheel not being up as close as he should have. Well, we got in this big argument. Well, here's the next race going on, and he's not even looking. He said, girl, I'll get back to you later. I got to get out on the track. And I think that was my first and only time I ever had an argument with that man. 
Yeah. He was stern. He was forceful if he had to be, but he was honest and to the point. Yeah. And I loved him for that. Yeah. Yeah. I even told Dickie one time, I said, Dickie, will you go up and tell your dad? He goes, I'm not going to tell my daddy. You don't tell my daddy. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. So I couldn't, you know, I, I had to do it myself, but it was just kind of, I don't know how he knew who I was, but he knew my name when I got up there. Yeah. And, and I always tell people that if you want to talk about two individuals that helped WK get over the top to the point they really were up and running with memberships, revenue streams, sales, you know, credibility. It was Dick Wilson and Ben Ray Griffith because the first two races that WK ever held was the Barnesville Winter Nationals or Winter Olympics as they called it. And the, um, the Danville Winter Olympics, which was the Enduro at BIR. And Ben Ray Griffith and Dick Wilson told my dad, we're on board have the races here and both those races had like 500 entries and WK was up and running at that point and there was no looking back. Wow. So he, he was, and Dick and I didn't always see eye to eye, but I will tell you this, he had as much to do with WK making it as anybody. He really did. I mean, he, and he was devoted to WK and he was, he was another one of those people that would, you know, he would, he would take a bullet for my dad. I mean, he was really, really supportive. So that's good stuff. Yes. Well, yeah. another, another part of this uh, podcast we like to do when we can is called Lost Cart Tracks. And I'm going to name you a few Gold Cup tracks that aren't here anymore. And I want you guys, what, whatever comes to mind. The first one, and I know it was at a Goodyear tire plant, I believe, but the track in Danville. Did both of you attend races in Danville? We yes. sure did. Yeah, so <laughs> so a couple, a couple thoughts about the Danville track. Uh. I'll go first, Tony. Um, I remember I was back working on a go-kart trying to get things ready to go, and uh, they were starting. I didn't help score during where they were having all the qualifying. Of course, that was easy. But then when we got ready to score, I went up and I said, where's the scoring tower at? <laughs> and they they looked at me, and I said, you want me to help score? Where's the scoring tire? Oh, we don't have one. We just sit over here in these bleachers. I said, what? And sure <laughs> enough, it was five of us scoring, and all those carts come around there, and you there was no way. There was no way to get it. So we actually each had a person that hollered the numbers in our ears, and it wasn't like one, two. It's one, two, three, four, five, six, and you had to write them down that fast. And again, then we went back and shared what we had to see where we were, and that's how we got our lineup for the next race. Wow. But I told him, I said, if you ever have another race, you got to have a scoring tower. See, we never had this many people here before. <laughs> but it was a lot of good. And I'll tell you something else. We ran the club races up there, and the way they did it, one end of the track was people like me or whoever – whoever were not working at the go at the Goodyear plant. So we were called professionals. The other end of the track was for all the Goodyear people. And they were called, I think workers or Goodyear members or something. And that's how we got, we raced with them. They, oh, they were on one end. We were on the other. Oh, wow. And, huh. Yeah. And that track you could do, I think 11 or 12 different, um, Ways configurations, on that track you yeah. Up. yeah. Configurations, yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. 
but that's what I remember most about that track, not having a scoring tower. <laughs> How about you, Tony? Yeah, I mean, Danville, you know, a kid coming from Brooklyn, a guy coming from Brooklyn, and talking to the Goodyear people that Goodyear said, hey, you know, we built a software uh, baseball field for people here. These people wanted a go-kart track. We built them a go-kart track. I mean, I, I just really admired Goodyear for doing yeah. that for their employees. And while we were there one time for a Gold Cup, uh, it was a Friday, it was a practice, and a gentleman came over to me and said, hey, do you mind if I take your wife up in a plane? We want to take pictures of this track from the sky. And there was no drones in those days. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> so I, I said to my wife, I said, you want to go? Go ahead. It was a little small plane, and I guess they had a, a landing strip right there, and he took my wife, and they took pictures of the track, you know, aerial pictures of the track. So that was kind of impressive uh, how Goodyear treated us. And they would also, like, like you said, 11, like 11 different configurations. Yeah. They kept the track secure during the night. I mean, it was just, you know, amazing what Goodyear put into that. Uh, they didn't make car or go-kart tires there. They made airplane tires, I believe. But mm -hmm. it was yep. just amazing that they did that for the employees. And, and my wife got to get a, a plane ride. <laughs> That's pretty cool. All right, what about Rockingham? Your time, Tony. Okay, Rockingham was, you know, a track that I believe Robin Bradshaw did a lot of design for, and uh, we talk about towers. Well, there was no tower in Rockingham either. I had to stand on a roof of the concession right. stand. <laughs> so that's what I remember about Rockingham, that, uh, you know, I'm up on a roof calling the race. And, uh, <laughs> but uh, it, it, was, it was a good track. It was a good track for, for the Grand Nationals. Things were pretty convenient around there, and, and, and we did always have pretty good turnouts there. Uh, and uh, I, I believe the other big deal with that was, and, and you know him, uh, Johnny Jacobum was the guy who was instrumental. And getting that right, Randy. He was Johnny. Yeah. Johnny had a, a group called the Carolina Carters, and he was actually instrumental in WK getting into Charlotte as well. But Johnny right. was running races. Uh, Frank Wilson was the owner. He's actually a member of the Hall of Fame. He was the owner of the Rockingham uh, track, or the president, I guess, of the track. And so, so Frank met up with Johnny and my dad, and they convinced Frank we needed a go kart track because Johnny was racing enduro karts there. And so they took this, the road course and the infield and they kind of tied it together, I think, at each end with a couple of dog legs. And all of a sudden, you got this little sprint track and everybody seemed to love it, you know. So a lot of big races held there for the Gold Cup at that Rockingham track. A lot of Thanksgiving right. races. Yeah. Well, I know we talked uh, last night about Herbines. And I found a lot of videos, believe it or not, on YouTube of rate Gold Cup races at Herbines. But I know uh, you both uh, got some memories about Herbines. Sandy, how about you? Well, this is uh, kind of weird, but I, uh, we raced up there at Herbine, and the school up behind there, there was a school. Well, that's where Glenn went to school. No way. Glenn went to school? Yes. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I, hope, I hope he listens yeah. to the podcast. That would be funny. Uh, so Glenn yeah, actually it, went to school just, at, at where the Herbine track in, is. In Leesport. Yeah, Leesport, because he's from oh, Leesport. Oh, I didn't know that. Wow, that's yeah, cool. and um, yeah, and his parents lived in Leesport, but um, that was the greatest track. I mean, you went; it had ele you know different elevations in it. I love that place. But my number one memory of it, I think, was the time that we had raced all day. Those kids, their tongues were hanging out. It was hot. 
the kids didn't want to race anymore. The daddies wanted to go one more time. And so they, the, the races were over. The, this was practice. Practice was over. Well, they had uh, rental carts. Well, the kids couldn't practice anymore, but they could get on those rental carts and go. Yeah. And and they went out there and they tore those carts all to pieces. And what was Herbine's name? First name? Den- Dennis. 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 Dennis come out there and he goes, I don't know how many of those kids are yours, but you need to get them off the track. <laughs> I said, didn't they pay? Didn't they pay to ride? He said they did. I said okay, but when I take all mine off, there's going to be nobody on those carts. Yeah. So anyway, he, I think he thought about money-wise, he let him go. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I loved it. It was a great track. It's still there. Uh, they don't run it anymore. They have a, uh, like a tag, some kind of tag thing going on inside, and All they right. got machines and yeah. yeah. But I don't think they use the track anymore at all. That's too bad. What What about you, Tony? Any memories from Herbines? Yeah, I mean, Herbines was the one of the first times we actually got the Gold Cup to come a little further north. So, you know, I was representing the Northern Carters, and they were all happy about that. And the big thing about Herbines track was it had a big uphill. And so yeah. the word started getting around. You needed a long exhaust pipe, so you'd get that bottom end to pull you up that hill. Well, that's when we had to make the rule that the exhaust pipe couldn't pass the back bumper because guys <laughs> were putting, putting pipes so long it was ridiculous. That's funny. <laughs> Oh my gosh! Wow. So, so we quickly had to make up a rule and say, "Hey, your your exhaust pipe has to be it can't be past the back bumper." Yeah. And uh, that and and like Sandy said, there was the high school or the school right behind there. I remember that. Yeah. And uh, and there was a big hobby shop, of course. You can go in there, and he had the the slot cars and stuff. Yeah, so the slot it was. Cars. Yeah, it was so it was a good place for, you know, for people to come and visit and, and you know, uh, there was other things to do there. But the thing I remember was that uphill and people trying to find a pipe long enough to give them that bottom end that they needed right. to get up that hill. Yeah. <laughs> what, but what? Uh, yeah, that, and it was the first really, I want to say it was the first northern race, you know, from out of the yeah. south that it came up right. that far. What about Seymour, uh, Tennessee, Tony? Did you ever get to Seymour, Tennessee? Well, yeah, Seymour, Tennessee, I pull in, it's on a guy's farm. And as I pull in, there's this giant of a guy, and he was the owner, and I, I don't, I forget his name, but he was another guy, he had to be 6'5", and he was also very broad. And he has a telephone pole on his back, and he's pushing it up oh. to get it into place to run the wires for the PA system. <laughs> And, and I, I look at my wife and I say, I can't believe this. And this guy is strong enough to pull up a pole, <laughs> put it in the ground. <laughs> and, and, and the workers hurry up and put in the dirt and stuff. But he carried it on his back. I couldn't oh believe it. Gosh. And he pushed it into play. He was a very nice guy. Yeah. And uh, he had chickens running around. And, 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 it was, <laughs> and, and it was a good track. It was a good track. Yeah. And, and yeah. it was a fast track. And yeah. uh but he built it on his farm. I guess he was a real carter, and 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 somehow we ended up with a gold cup there. So that yeah. that was a. And then you know you got to go to Pigeon Forge and places like that, right? Which right. were right there and there. And I got to see the Elvis car and all of that stuff. So it was good. <laughs> Sandy, any memories hey, from you know, Seymour? That was Scott Sexton's track. Oh yes. yeah, he loved that place. Yeah, that was another name. He was unbeatable in the day too. Yeah, and his dad actually owned 
I think this is right. He owned one of the motels right on the river there. Yeah. Yep. And that's, all, that's where we stayed. Yeah. 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 I mean, Scott, that, I, that was a lot of fun there. Scott was good, not only on asphalt, but dirt as well. He was just unbeatable. Mm-hmm. And then and then had a, a heck of a late dirt late model career. And then I think I think he died uh, at a very young age with some type of an illness of some kind. Uh, but uh, yeah, I can't remember when it, but yeah, yeah, that was sad. Yeah. Well, I got one more on the list here. I want you guys to share with me, uh, and that's Darlington. I, I and to, like you said, Tony earlier, I went to Darlington a couple times. It was a short track, but it was kind of cool, and it was right down from the from the big track, Darlington Raceway. Yep, that that's right, and that's what made it so cool. That the first time I ever went down there, get the pass, you know, the NASCAR track, and I stopped in the. They have the museum there and uh, stuff, so it was really great. And the guy who ran the track, well, Randy, he was a real gentleman, Jack Smith, right? Jack Smith, yep. Mm-hmm. Jack Smith. <laughs> he had a he had a barbecue restaurant in Myrtle that's Beach, right. I believe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that's where we held the banquet one year when we held yeah. the Grand Nationals there. Right. Right. And and it was. You know, that track, I mean, like you said, it was small, but it was like a little, you know, big car track. It was like a little stadium, you know. Yeah. And uh, he did a great job, and it was a great track. And then he held the banquet, and he did a great job with that, making sure everybody got enough food and everything. And like I said, he was like a real southern gentleman, and he was a real nice guy, Jack Smith. So another good place to race. Yeah, definitely. Sandy, any, uh, any memories from Darlington? Not really. Uh, I know we went there and it was a hurricane or tornado come through there and one year and um, that's when John Boy Wilkerson was a little boy <laughs> and yeah. uh, his dad had him there and, and we were scared to death. We were on the top floor and the wind was blowing and everything, but I don't remember a lot about the track. I know we raced, but I don't know mm-hmm. what we did, so... Yeah, it was uh, it was a pretty cool track. It had, as I recall, it had a couple decent straightaways, but didn't it have some really tight corners, Tony? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was like I said, like a little stadium, you know. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> had a nice tower. I mean, you know, he he had everything in place. He had the yeah. the grid all painted up. I mean, everything. I think he even had the dotted line around the track, and you know, he. It was just like being at a little stadium, uh, like a big car track, but for little right. cars. You know? Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I, I just wanted to mention one more track, which was pretty important, was Palmetto. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, That's yeah. where we ran We ran a couple Grand Nationals at Palmetto. That was Charlie Sox's home track. Yeah, it was owned, and, by, uh, owned by Ben Porter. Ben Porter. Ben Porter. Yeah. He was another another good Southern gentleman, and his famous, yeah. you know, uh, bologna and cheese sandwiches would have hit. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Fried bologna sandwich. And, and, uh, and he was – he was another one that just bled WK. I mean, Ben was just so supportive of the Gold Cup and WK and the organization and the racers. They just loved going there. Yeah, and I want to say one thing about Ben. When we held the first Grand National, not the first Grand National, but when we held the first Grand National at Palmetto, he did the banquet at the ho- at the local um, hotel there. And when we walked into that hotel, they had signs up, welcome WKA races, welcome Horseman Gold Cup. Wow. I mean, you felt like a celebrity when you walked in there. And that yeah. banquet was top notch. Yeah. And it was it was really done right. And, uh, you know, he just did a great job of really promoting it. And right down to the hotel that, like I said, when we checked into that hotel, people knew who you were. You know, it yeah. was great. He did a great job. Yeah. And I, and I can believe that. That's the kind of guy Ben was. 
Well, we do have a question from one of the podcast listeners, Tony, and the question's to you. They want to know how you got the nickname Tony the Toe. Okay, so oh. it, it really had nothing to do with racing. Uh, you know, I, I work, well, I still work in Manhattan, but I was working in Manhattan, and, you know, my name was Anthony, of course, and they started calling me Tony, and then little by little, they started calling me Tone, T-O-N-E, and then one day, uh, we used, I used to work midnights, 12 to 8 in the morning, and we were running to, I was running to catch an elevator, and the doors closed, but I put my foot in there, and it looked like just my toe held it open. And the guy inside the elevator goes, look at that toe. That's the toe. He held the elevator off. <laughs> and I got on the elevator. And then after that, guys just started calling, everybody started calling me the toe. So it just, and, and then when I went into racing, I said, I just might as well use it. And I just kept it going. So. That's funny. That's <laughs> I didn't nothing, know that. <laughs> yeah, it had nothing to do with racing. And, uh, right. But uh, another, I was at a track and uh, there was the, the Kurtzman brothers. They were from Connecticut. And yep. their father uh-huh. is a is a great painter. I mean, he can pinstripe a car, and he took my helmet and he painted a, a toe on the back and and you know wrote the toe on it, and uh, so he he did my first helmet that really looked good. Uh, oh, that's and he, cool. he, he, yeah, he was a, a nice family. They were all a karting family, and to this day, uh, one of the Kurtzmans still runs at the Norwalk Kart Club here in Connecticut. Yeah, that's awesome. So, Sandy, I got a question for you. Not, it's been a few years ago, I guess I should say not that long ago. It's been several years ago. But you received an award that meant an awful lot to me, and I'm pretty sure it meant a lot to you. Tell us about that. Well, that night at the, at the banquet, I was sitting there, and you got up and started talking. And as you began to talk, I was like, who is he talking about? <laughs> and and, I, and then you said, I remember it so loud and clear. You said, this girl bleeds gold cup. And when you said that, I said, that's me. And everybody at the table started laughing and you called my name out. And that was one of the biggest shocks of my life. And I got the Ann Coogler Award. So uh, it's been a whole lot to me and I still have it. Well, thank you. That means a lot to me too. And and it was well-deserving saying to you, you know, and you, you and I will be the first to admit we didn't always see eye to eye, but at the end of the day, we were still friends, and that's what's important. Absolutely. Yes, yep. sir. Well, we're winding down this podcast. I'll tell you, it's been a, a lot of fun for me, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wind up here with a, cup, with a question to both of you. And, Sandy, I'll start with you. The question is, what has carding meant to you over the years, and how has it impacted your life? Well, I'm not sure where I'd be today without carding because I lived in a little mill town here in uh, Burlington, North Carolina, and Burlington Industries was a big part of everybody's life. And so when I started my go-kart racing, um, I actually ended up running a bullet. And I started running for Coyote, and next thing you know, uh, Burlington Industries was playing out. They, they Jobs were being lost, and they were closing plants. And so uh, I told Wayne, uh, Wayne Whispelair, that I didn't think I could no longer uh, do the go-karts because I didn't have any money. And so we talked back and forth because he sponsored me. So I ended up moving up there in 1987. And uh, uh, I just took on the whole, the whole deal up there. I, I did mm-hmm. the shipping and the receiving uh-huh. and everything they had. And, and, and you, um, and you so, Sandy, you brought, you brought Coyote to a level they had never been. Absolutely. 
I agree with that. I did, a, <laughs> I, did a, I did everything I could to keep them on top. Yeah. And, and you, I feel and like to this day. Do what? Hey, go ahead. Oh, and um, then, uh, you know, after after years, you, you think you're going to get out of it. I'm done. I'm not doing this anymore. And then um, the next part of my life was with my stepson and, and his dad. And uh, we've been traveling. And that's Travis Fire and Glenn Fire. Yeah. And we traveled yeah. all over. And um, in a few, we decided that we were going to leave Coyote. And then we were going to go with uh, Margay. Mm-hmm. And I promised Keith that, you know, he, I would get him a four-cycle championship, and we did. Yeah. And it just made my whole world what it should be. Yeah. And, um, you know, I still talk to my drivers. I still have them on Facebook. Uh, Justin Bonsignor, uh, mm-hmm. he's he's racing, and I'm in that car seat with him every time he drives. Yeah. And yeah. Um, I see my kids a lot, but it's my life. And I'm yeah. 65, and I still love it as much as I did yeah. the first day. That's awesome. And I just want one other thing. I just wish that I could go back and thank your dad and Dick Wilson for giving my life to me because yeah. they did. Oh, you're killing me, Sandy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. That's just the way oh, I feel, Randy. That, I, that means a lot, Sandy. Thank you for saying that. That means a lot. Really and thank does. you, too. You are a big part of my life, too. Alrighty then. <laughs> well, with that note, Tony. <laughs> yeah, that's a hard one to follow. <laughs> yeah. I think it's time for a commercial break. Uh, yeah. Wait, I don't, I don't have those. <laughs> so, Tony, I'll, uh, I'll ask you that question, and please do whatever you can to make us laugh, all right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, Tony, what, what has carding meant to you, and how has it impacted your life? Well, you know, you know, being a kid from Brooklyn, there was no racing or anything like that. So I always wanted to race. And that's what karting, you know, got me into the seat and got me into doing it. And then when I got involved with WKA and, and that, that was with your dad, Dick Wilson and Gil Hortzman, I mean, they became like mentors to me. And they actually helped me in my life and in, in real business, hanging out with Dick Wilson. I mean, he he showed me, I watched how he would get people to work for him yeah. and they would do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And he didn't, he didn't have to use his, his height and his strength. They would gratefully, we needed people in the tower. They were up there in droves, you know, to help yeah. us or whatever. Yeah. And, and, and so I took that to my management when I became a manager and, and wow. a assistant vice president and stuff. And, and that worked. I mean, people work for me, but I got that from Dick and, and, your father, the way he ran WK, I mean, I was totally behind him. The way he, he oh, I know you know, if we had to make yeah. a decision, yeah. it, it had to get done. And and yeah. George George didn't fool around, and he made that decision, and it always was good for us, you know, for the whole organization. So, you know, things like that, That's that's and all the people I got to meet through karting. And then, of course, then when the family came along, and now my kids, uh, mainly Chris Two-Tenths, <laughs> <laughs> he's a little too much on Facebook, which we didn't have back in the day, and I wish we didn't have it today. But yeah, but right. uh, you know, he's 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 done a great job, and he and he helps a lot of people. And this weekend, he's going to help two kids in Maryland, and and you know, try to get That's them uh, to win a state championship and stuff. So he he's just been he really got into the sport. Andrew does it once in a while. He's he's got his own business, and it's a little tough to get away sometimes, but. 
it kept me going, you know, at, at a point where, you know, I wasn't doing any carding and then they brought me back into it and, and they brought me back into it big time. You know, we, we traveled <laughs> to all these races, the cup carts and, and now the Maxis series. So, so it, it, it really, it, it makes my life, you know, and, and it keeps me awesome. going that I'm not yeah. just sitting back and, uh, you know, watching TV or playing a video game or something. We're out there, yeah. we're doing stuff. And, uh, that's what carding was just, it, it just, without it i don't know what would i do and you know everything that sandy said i mean she's right and and i you know just to say that she made coyote the most winningest chassis in the oh, gold cup i mean absolutely if, you know, when we yeah. look at it yep. and and you know now my son chris is trying to help coyote along and stuff and he you know he, yep. he gets he, he tries to push uh lapari around a little bit and tell him what he needs to do and stuff <laughs> but uh but but he's he's made a great relationship with mark and uh jim up there and he goes up there sometimes and spends some time with them in the shop and they figure out stuff and and so uh it, it's been working out for us i never thought i would get that back you know that deep into it back into karting after i had left basically in 2012 that was like towards that was the end and then you know just just sat home and and maybe yeah. fooled around with cars that was it so mm -hmm. yeah it's Carding is, and, and I try to tell people that today, and, and that's why the 206 stuff, you know, I try to get families involved in that because it's actually easier than what we had it because it's a sealed motor and everything, and, it, and it, it, it really brings the family together, and like I point out to some parents, your kid's going to be in it. It's not going to be in it for 10 minutes, and he has to come out and sit on the bench, you know. Right. Your, 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 your child will be in this race, and it's a team effort, and, and it brings people together, so uh, it, yeah. it's yeah, it's great. And and thanks to, you know, George, you and, and Gil and, and all the people up at WKA at the time, because, you know, they accepted me and let me, you know, say what I had to say at times. <laughs> well, you, but everybody respected you, Tony. And I will tell you, when, when I was involved with WK, you always had my back and I'll never forget that. Yeah. <laughs> so so that was, it was great. Well, I, I knew this would get a little emotional and I was right, but uh, it's, it's been a, it's been a, it's been a great night and I, you'll never know how much tonight means to me and how much I value your, uh, the friendship of both of you. It's been, uh, it's been pretty special tonight. I really appreciate it. Uh, Sandy, any, uh, any closing remarks before we wrap this up? No, I don't think so. Okay, <laughs> we'll find it. <laughs> Jeez, is it something? Is it something I said, Sandy, or what? No, I'm just sitting here crying. <laughs> <laughs> Tony, anything before we wrap it up? No, I think we we covered a lot of ground here, and we I did. mean, I noticed a lot more ground to cover, but we covered a lot of ground. We mentioned a lot of good times yeah. and a lot of good yeah. names, and 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 how the whole sport was built, especially with the four cycle program. And WK yeah. was there for the four cycle racers. Well, and I think down the road we're gonna do it. We're gonna do a part two of the Gold Cup, and we'll take it take us through the '90s and early 2000s, and we'll get two of you back on again because we can we can talk a lot about that too. And there's a whole new set of stories. Uh, in that in that era so all right well listen yep. guys thank thank you so much i again i you you'll you'll never know how much it meant to me tonight it's been so much fun uh and hopefully uh i know the listeners are going to enjoy it this is this has just been tremendous so uh to wrap things up uh what tell you say a prayer for the firefighters policemen hospital workers we live in a crazy world and they need, yep. they need all the help that uh, we do uh, they yep, need all yep. the help they can get because they're out there in it every single day. So on behalf of Absolutely. our special guests, uh, uh, Sandy Gregory and Tony the Tosarillo, 
This is RK. Until next time, remember, racers don't last forever, but racing memories do. <laughs>